0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
1: Boom,
2: boom. Got what a a ride. bodies don't recognize motorsport as a team sport because it's potentially the one athlete in a car or on a bike, which is absolutely crazy when you think there is, you know, 100,000 plus people employed in the motorsport industry just in
1: the UK alone. The most memorable moment was my big concussion there. I said, Great. Ha, Lovely. She thought, remembers like, it. You yeah, don't. Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it. I'd make them rock, paper, scissors for yeah, it. I would. That'd be the best. Best one. of three. You can't argue with rock, paper, scissors, no, can no, you? Like, no, literally. You cannot get it wrong,
2: man. I got absolutely thrashed by Lewis Hamilton when I was a kid. <laughs> Told me that I. He uh, might remember this. He will not. <laughs> 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 I was well too far back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that was when you, you streaked and you up the start straight. No, know. Okay, not that one.
2: It was a team spending. Yeah, six figures mm. in amateur karting. Six figures.
1: It's fake. No. <laughs> it's fake, mate. Fake personality. Fake. Persona. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you <laughs> cheat. Boom, right. boom. Danny back What a ride this is. Hi, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of Pushing the Limit Podcast with me, Danny Bucken. Today's guest, we are going a little bit off-piste here. Um, I think it's quite a crucial time to be talking about this kind of... Uh, of thing. Um Gary Lee Hobeck. Gary, welcome mate. Thank you. Gary, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> love that. He's love really that. got his thing about being called Gary Lee. My kids are gonna lose Gaza, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah mate, That's first of all introduce yourself and tell us um obviously about yourself and your interest in motorsport.
2: Cool, yeah so I'm uh, Gary Lee. I uh worked in motorsport for just over a decade now. Um which is uh, quite cool being really privileged. So starting off at autosport for quite many years and then started my own business pro53 up um 5 years ago just getting involved in sponsorship and uh, working with athletes to try and support them had some good good successes and some uh, not so good <laughs> some failures working Yeah with some me. failures no. yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> want to talk about them yeah. yeah um and then yeah and then since about 2019 me and you have been working together um got got chatting over linkedin I believe it was wasn't it just from being local boys and uh now also co-founder of the uh, pro3 sports academy as well which we'll uh, chat about but um yeah, thanks very much for having us.
1: And your love for motorsport, let's say, isn't it? Because obviously, it's I not even just motorsport. motorbikes, is it? Like you love car racing. Motorsport,
2: yeah, in general, yeah. I I, I grew up um, watching World Superbikes and Formula One, and then competing in karting as a as a kid. Uh, got absolutely thrashed by Lewis Hamilton when I was a kid. <laughs> Told me that I. You uh, might remember this. He will not. (laughs) I was well too far back. (laughs) Uh, Um, It was double digits. So, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, just, you know, I I grew up with an absolute love for motorsport and uh, from a a spectator as well, then, uh, you know, competing on an amateur level. And uh, then as I got older, I got more and more intrigued in the commercial side of uh, the business. And uh, that's where I joined Autosport and then subsequently are here today.
1: Yeah. And obviously, something that's, it's like, it's so close to me anyway. And I love talking about it in general because. I guess um like being involved with business, obviously there's such a crossover with finding like personal partners and dealing with that kind of thing. Um and it's something I've not really seen many people speak openly about, is it? Like I don't I see a lot of people asking for, for sponsorship in, in a way that's doesn't benefit people. Um and obviously something that we'll talk about anyway. But yeah, I mean for me it's a great topic of conversation because we're obviously currently we're at the start of the season. Um, times are changing like businesses are changing obviously the way people have advertising is changing and it's something that I've really wanted to speak about and obviously having a conversation with views oh, well <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no but having dangerous, a conversation yeah. about it is mega because I, I really want to give people like fans an insight and people who are listening an insight into I guess A the struggles um, B obviously the benefits of, of commercial partnerships mm-hmm. because yeah, obviously sure. we've had some success with companies and Like for me being a racer, like the um, ambassador roles and things like that. But obviously, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to really get into um, how the partnerships work. And um, obviously, better way to start than talk about the young talent, like obviously bringing young talent in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, the the world's a crazy place at the moment where, you know, we've got so many uh, different ways of digesting media and digesting information. Um, And I think, you know, the the sports that are doing it really well have recognised that. Um, you know, I think I was looking at the NBA and even, you know, Formula One now has, has done a great job of it where the NBA actually have it where they have Twitter accounts that are non-licensed accounts. So they don't actually pay for the content like say like a Sky Sports does for Formula One or Eurosport does for, for British Superbikes. And actually the NBA retweet and repost those things because they recognize that that's an audience that they probably wouldn't have unless they were there. So they're kind of like, you know, pirate um, channels. Um, So I think you just have to be really open to everything. Um, But in that instance as well, you you need to be careful not to go down the rabbit hole of giving too much over. I think so many times when you're looking for partners or looking for uh, sponsorship as an athlete or as a team or as an organisation, you can really go down the rabbit hole a little bit with looking at all the information possible. Whereas actually, you know, it's really simple. You just ask the question. But it's such a great time to be involved in, in motorsport. You know, we've had the, you know, the hardships of the past couple of years of, uh, you know, sport being really affected, uh, especially unless it was mainstream sport mm. um, being massively affected. So, you know, you, you've got to recognise the global uh, economic situation. However, that being said, you know, there's, you know, there's not many other sports that can put you in front of this many potential customers, you know, as our, as our sport can, you know, talking about, you know, super bikes specifically. Um, and that's where I think um, a lot of younger athletes need more guidance from a marketing perspective, because, you know parents and and, and friends, uh, own businesses of, you know, forked in a lot of money and that's been a great solution. Yet when that cash is not available, then you get to a point where you've got a number of athletes that don't actually know how to approach businesses Mm. from a business side of it. Um, And I think as, you know, us us as business owners outside of the motorsport sector as well, gives us a bit of an advantage there because you kind of think, how would I want to be approached? You have to have that mindset of how would I want to be approached as a business owner? Not necessarily what would work for my business because, you know, there's so many different industries yeah. out there. But yeah, it's a, it's a really intriguing um, point and something that I think, you know, we'll, we'll go into a little in a little bit more detail today.
1: Yeah, it's funny because like first time I had a meeting with a sponsor, I um, I literally went in there and we sat down. It was like through my friend and he was like, oh, I've got a guy who actually went on to sponsor me for quite a number of years, Cliff at Wembar, Um and... Yeah, I, I went in there and he was like, all oh, right, how much do you want them." And obviously like, <laughs> up until that point, me and my dad had well, my dad had, had been quite lucky with business. I wouldn't say lucky. He's put a lot of time and effort in. I hate saying that word, lucky. He grafted and, and put a lot of time and effort in and I was probably lucky enough to to have his support. Um, and yeah, Cliff was like, how much do you want them?" And me and my dad was like, uh, mm. uh, uh, we've never asked for money before. We don't all really know. But at that point we was paying for... Um, we was paying for our expenses to race. And obviously as you go on in your career, like obviously I'm a paid motorcycle racer now, but still I have a lot of outgoings in terms of of what it costs to go racing. And there's a lot of things you have to pay for as a motorbike racer to go racing. Mm. Um, And I think the higher level you get, obviously the more things have to cost in terms of like what you do, your training and and all the little benefits and the extras you get. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get like, it's so different. Like, obviously, I've got this as a topic to talk about on my notes. Um, but like, like starting a kid off at grassroots racing, like it's really, it's a really horrible thing. But when someone says to me, like, what do I need to go motorbike racing? Yeah. You genuinely need to have, whether it's parents with with good budget or somebody around you that's going to help you, because in our sport it's so expensive. Like, when you're in the yeah. grassroots racing, if you crash a bike, if you ride a bike off, it can be fifteen thousand pound, can't it? And you're like most families who have other kids they can't just pay they just can't afford to just pull 15 grand out year if they uh, if they've got like normal jobs and mm. and they're doing all they can is it it's like yeah it's, it's such a tricky one because it's
2: and as much as this sport is an amazing sport mm. and you know and, and anything we talk about today I want to you know really really push that but um it's very very different from other grassroots sports and any other sport um you know we've talked about it at length the difference between a couple of 100 pounds to register for a football club yeah. say for a child to ten, fifteen thousand pounds £15,000 to make an entry into motorcycle racing or karting. I remember I remember being in my um, early teens and um, a team that I was racing against. And, you know, bear in mind we were just a, you know, dad and son and a mechanic um, karting. And there was a team spending you know, six figures mm. in amateur karting, six figures, you know, because, you know, they wanted to be the next Michael Schumacher at the time or, you know. Uh, Mika Hackett and et cetera, but, um, or Lewis Hamilton even now, but yeah, it's so different. And that's where it, you know, it pains me a bit because I think that that, that turns away a lot of potential athletes and a, a lot of people, the next generation. Um, but fundamentally that needs to filter down from, you know, organizations, not, not necessarily just championships and teams, but actually, you know, like UK sport, yeah. you know, I've had a number of conversations and, and unfortunately a number of governing bodies don't recognize motorsport as a team sport because it's potentially the one athlete in a car or on a bike, which is absolutely crazy when you, know, you think there is, yeah. you know, 100,000 plus people employed in the motorsport industry just in the UK alone.
1: Yeah, like my team's 10 people, let's say, straight away, like they go every weekend guaranteed. It's yeah. a team sport, isn't it? Like it obviously is, it really you're out there is. on your own as such, racing bikes, and if you crash, you crash, but you're still a team. You can't do it without having a team, mm. can you? Yeah,
2: you know, you look at all, you know, the, the, you know, MotoGP, Formula One, those sides of it, you know, they have thousands of people working yeah. for them you know, across them and, you know, and you know, majority of them in terms of, you know, from a car perspective are based in the UK. Yeah. So that, that's something which needs to change, you know, and, and I'm all for, you know, being part of that or supporting anyone who wants to do that to try to get it to recognize because there is so much funding and so much available to sports from a young um, athlete perspective of pushing, you know, increasing the audience of the sport as well. There are so many great things that are being done. Yeah. But just unfortunately at the moment, as we stand here now, is that motorsport isn't um included in that.
1: Yeah, but. yeah, it's difficult. I mean, like I was lucky that when I was younger, I was club racing and obviously again it was costing a lot of money. Um and then I went and uh, somebody said, "Oh, I'll go and have a chat with Nick Morgan because he kind of will be able to sort of give you a bit of an honest advice uh, about where you should maybe go with your career." Yeah. And with that conversation, I had two options and and Nick gave me a chance to run out of his garage and um, Nick was kind of the one who I would say our credit for my career. Obviously I had to ride the bike but Nick was the person that gave me that that opportunity and without that like now there seems to be a lot more people like obviously you've got the MLAV Academy you've got the Pro Free Academy we've got a few academies around now that are kind of trying to push the young talent which I think it needs but ultimately I think like it's clear as well. Like I want to be clear that we're not criticising the sport here and slagging it off. Absolutely like we're just talking like. and I would love to be proactive in helping obviously the younger generation. But it's it'd be great if we could have, like if there was some sort of governing body that just put like a funding in place. Like how I see the kids in Spain, they they come after school. When you're at Cartagena spinning laps, you come in after school, you can see them there in a little school uniform. They come off, they get off their uniform, they put on their levers, they go out and they ride mini motors till the sun comes down, they have some food, go home. And it's they they push it so much out there, and I know that health and safety laws are probably a little bit different, but <laughs> they they just push and push the the younger talent, and it's clear to see that when you look at like the MotoGP grid, like whether it's Moto3, Moto2, or MotoGP, mm-hmm. it's it's quite clear to see like a lot of them are Spanish, Italian, um, and the rest of it, and I think it's such a, um, I mean obviously if you wanted to let your son or daughter ride at, at three or four years old, that's fine, I get that. I wouldn't let Brody ride a bike, he's two now, he'd be too loose. (laughs) He'd be 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 full gas, mate, full (laughs) gas or no gas. But yeah, I guess like for me, if you asked me the question and said, what would you like to see? I'd love to see like a bit of, I know, and I'm saying this this loosely because I know there's a lot of of things that would have to be put into place for it to happen, but I'd love to see like a main governing body come in and say, right, we're going to put a a pot of money together for like three, four, five-year-olds to start, whether it's racing around Hatch car park on a weekday, you know yeah. what I mean? Like something like that. Making and it more accessible Yeah, because,
2: you know, ultimately, you know, with motorsport, it's not as accessible as, as others. You know, you can't just go and buy a ball, you know, whether it's cricket, whether it's tennis, whether yeah. it's football, rugby. You know, these are very accessible sports and, you know, um, participant sports, Yeah, you know, high level participant sports. Um, so there's that side of it. But then you have to then make sure you're doing more to push the sports, you know. You know, we could even go broader and say not, you know, we're speaking specifically about motorsport at the yeah. moment. But there are a number of sports which are not as accessible as they should be. Mm. It's easy for us to sit here and say that because we're not the ones having to put the money into it. Yeah, exactly. Um However, when there are a number of, you know, grants available and funding available for things such as what we're doing, um, it's, you know, I'd really love to see that as well. That You know, just to try and get it, you know, more. You know, I've done a couple of talks in schools where talking to people about, how you can get involved in motorsport you know and you know I'm, I'm a perfect example and you know you are as well and you know you take a lot of other athletes or people that wanted to be an athlete that either couldn't make it or didn't have the money um there are so many other opportunities to get involved in motorsport whether it be as a you know an engineer uh, from a commercial side of it there's so many different avenues that you can be involved in the sport so even if you're not able to make it as an athlete if you wanted to be one day then you can be involved in it yeah i think that would be really good to see a push um, from that side of it, and that not necessarily just about the funding. It, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a real shame. However, hopefully things will be changing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be it'll be great because I see as you go through your career anyway, you would have seen it in the years you've worked in motorsport. You see guys there, and they're not there all of a sudden, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's sad because obviously when you're young, it's you put a lot of time, a lot of effort. Your parents put a lot of money in, and it's. Um, it's a tough sport to break through. Obviously, if you mm-hmm. looked at the British Superbike Championship, there's 30 places on the grid. If you've got three or four different clubs yep. in the UK producing like 40 riders each class, let's say, mm-hmm. like there's, again, the numbers are quite high and to get an opportunity in British Superbike is obviously quite difficult. So yep. I it is hard and I guess I guess maybe sometimes that has to happen for it to filter through and the people to get through, I don't know. But yeah, I, I just think there's such a, um, a big thing that could be done in terms of just, yeah, like getting their main big bodies on just to help bring the young talent on. I'd yeah. love to see it. I'd just love to see the kids. Like, I I, I don't know how it would work. I well, don't like the know. The National Fair. Lottery
2: is a great example. You know, the National Lottery put in millions and millions mm. of pounds into UK sport. Um, and that's used to, you know, for some great projects. So it would just be nice to get a piece of the pie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how it'd work. And obviously there's people out there that probably know, And maybe if there's any of the governing bodies listening, yeah, I'd love to have a chat. <laughs> Genuinely love to have a chat and just get your thoughts on it, because I'd love to yeah. know how we could look at helping most, because it's not even about like, our generation, it's future generations. Yeah. Like, if you said to me, how how would you get Brody into motorbike racing? Obviously, I would probably go the same way I went with my own career, which was, I started mm-hmm. off at motocross. Yeah. But even that like it cost a fortune like we was riding all, all every weekend
2: and well, I I put it to you that if, imagine imagine if both of your children or both of my children wanted to get involved in motorsport yeah it would come to a point um for most families of you know you would have to choose one or none
1: i'd make them rock paper scissors for it yeah, i would that'd be the best best way of three it. So. you can't argue with rock paper scissors no, can you like no, literally you cannot get it wrong that. literally <laughs> <laughs> you can't get it wrong yeah go on. yeah you yeah, got <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you but yeah,
1: it's it's such a in it, it, it's such a, a, a part of me that just wants to give something back to the sport in that way, just obviously bringing the young talent through, and that's where the Prairie Free Academy come from. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I think that's and that's the important thing—not just to talk about it, to actually yeah.
1: you know make action, you know, take
2: action, and and look at how we can do things. To support that, you yeah. mentioned there were a couple of other opportunities as well. that are done. I think that you know the um, blueprint comes from the VR Forty Six Academy. Definitely. From, for how that you know, obviously there's a, a significant backing for that, but it just goes to show you the fact that you know Pecco won the MotoGP World Title last year. You know, in that short span of time, they've been able to produce a world champion. Yeah. Or, or multiple world uh, champions. And multiple, yeah,
1: because obviously they've had like yep. the other guys, Moto Two, Moto Two, Moto Three, exactly. yeah, exactly, and that's
2: brilliant. You know, yeah. and that is the real blueprint of actually what can be achieved when the money's used correctly and in the right way and i think that's where from the pro 83 side of it you know me and you come together and you know was like okay you know i think that we can collectively between us from a commercial as well as from an athlete's perspective look at how we can support the next generation and future generations yeah you know as little as it can you know may be or as large as it may be you know there is definitely something which we can do for them to put you know an arm around their you know shoulder um and also from a commercial side of it you know promote them and give them that availability from funding so they can actually compete
1: and that's how priority free academy was born exactly, wasn't it yeah. it was obviously we just thought well we need to maybe try and do something and put back into the uh into the ether mm-hmm. of uh of motorbike racing and it was um and it was that weren't it, it was like yeah, yeah let's let's go with it let's Let's we can help two or three involved, riders, yeah.
2: you know, a year where we're able to uh, find investment for them from, and you know, commercial partners that either believe in the journey and believe in what we're doing, but also see the commercial value of it. So, you know, as a business, they can see how being part of something like this not only is sort of a goodwill factor for them, but also as well from a marketing perspective show how then they can use that to communicate with potential customers. Yeah. I think that's the real key thing. You know, that goes back to your point about, you know, lobbying for, for money. Um, where You know, athletes asking for money as opposed to showing businesses the
1: real value actual values, you know, because the, the value is mad. Like when I when I talk to potential sponsors about getting on board with me or whether we're talking about ambassador roles and things like that, like you could list like five or six things straight away. But the list is endless. Like you could there's mm-hmm. so much you can do for companies in terms of and in terms of the market inside of things and how much value they get. Like, that's something I wanted to speak to you about, but we'll, we'll finish. Obviously, I love, love talking about the academy, but um, so the basis of the academy is, obviously, we're helping the guys. Uh, obviously, I've got the experience with the racing side, the training side of like that. You've yep. got the experience of the commercial side of things, and it's mad, isn't it? Like, we've got, obviously, three riders in that, mm-hmm. and it's exciting, isn't it, like, watching them yeah,
2: grow? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant because we're able to educate them slightly, I think, and show them the importance of how the on-track and off-track really come hand in hand. You know, I think that there's, you know, I won't say names, but, you know, you know, people won't take offence to saying that there are some athletes that have made it across all sports where what they do off of the field. A big part of track, it, yeah. Has probably outweighed what they should have probably achieved in the game. Yeah. You know, whether it be, you know, football, rugby, tennis or, or motorsport because of the, you know, I think that, you know, there's a real, you know, they talk about how people change the game, you know, like Rossi changed the game, Michael Schumacher changed the game. You know, when they came into motorsport because of the way they took fitness seriously or, you know, in markets, you know, you always get that next generation, yeah. but it's not necessarily just what they do on track. It's all of the thousands and thousands of hours away from it, but also then being able to place themselves commercially. You know, I was thinking from a business side of it, if you're an athlete and you've got, say, you know, across the whole of the BSB, let's, you know, just say there's 150 riders yeah. mm-hmm, across the main sort of three
1: um I categories. have to be in full flow to get my quick maths yeah. going mate do you know what I mean so I'm not in full flow what I'm would
2: you've got to give a business the reason why they should be partnering with you to communicate with the same audience that other 149 can give you for yeah. instance yeah as a you know just use it as a nice Pretty round that, figure yeah. so that's where I think from my side of it having been a fan of motorsport but also in a business perspective are able to, you know, educate the the riders and their families as well, because they play a massive part in this, you know, not necessarily just from a funding perspective, but with the younger riders in supporting them, showing them the difference between asking for money and showing someone a good partnership stroke ambassador opportunity. And then, you know, from from your side of it, you've been able to show um, our riders what it takes from an off-field perspective as an athlete you know i think we're quite good you know we've we've you know we've been fortunate that we've picked a great bunch of lads yeah. that uh do take it seriously and do want to make it to the top and they really listen well and they've taken that all on board and i think you can you know, just see from from what zach's done in the past year after his you know accident how he's come back and how he you know applied himself that's been amazing yeah. to see
1: been know. a hard journey but he's done really well yeah really
2: difficult but so and that, and that and that's the instant yeah and that's the, the the blueprint of the our academies you know as we you know if we can help them Put themselves in a right commercial side of it, but also as well perform on track.
1: I think that's a good. big part. The off-track part is so big because on track, it's very clear goal. You want to win. You want to beat yeah. everyone. If you're not you first, win. you're last. Yeah, if you're not first, you're last. But uh, I don't have to do it with my hands. But yeah, I mean, if you like, obviously you've got to you <laughs> win. You've got like the, the goal is to win. It's a performance based yeah. game, and if you're not winning, you know it's, it's it makes your life very difficult. Obviously, mm-hmm. negotiating contracts and and got further in your career. But I think the big part of it for me was always. If if I if I can do a good job on track, if I can be approachable, um, mm-hmm. always ground always level headed, always grounded, like my my dad probably done a good job with keeping me grounded. Um and I think that has played a big part in yeah, my absolutely. career, you know, yeah. like and I'd like to think that when my career's finished, I'd still like to have an involvement in motorsport and I'd be lucky enough to maybe work with some companies in that motorsport arena because of how I've been. And but I think the off track part is so big because like you say, like talking to sponsors talking to partners talking to other people like you have to kind of leave everything on the track and I know it's so hard like obviously to yeah. when you're young as well <laughs> like even when you're older like obviously I'm 29 now but even yeah, it's if you have well a bad old. race, well <laughs> old but if you have a bad race you kind of go oh man I don't really want to talk to anyone I want to just sit in here on my own you know I want to shut myself off to the world but one thing that we make quite clear to the boys is listen it's fine like you have to have bad weekends to learn and obviously failure is part of learning anyway yeah I'm not going to preach because there's a lot lot of that on Instagram in a minute. (laughs) But you have to fail to move forward. Like I I think I've said this in a previous podcast about Michael Jordan. Said like obviously he took like let's say he missed ten thousand shots. Like that's Mm -hmm. how he became so good because he don't
2: remember the shots you've missed. No, if you if you know, I think a mistake's worthwhile if you learn from
1: it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the biggest sort of thing for me. Like if there's any guys listening now that are like, what's the what's the number one take home from this is like obviously failure is, is part of it and you've yeah. got to fail to, to understand your, Absolutely. your successes. But there's a
2: real stigma around failure as well from from a, a commercial side and a personal side of it. There really Definitely. Isn't. But I think you've got to, don't accept failure, but just make sure you learn from it. You know, I've failed massively with some of the things I've worked on. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, as long as you can learn from it and move forward, then it's a good thing.
1: There's a book I read, actually, because I can read, probably about two pages nice. a day. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> no, I can, yeah, I can read. And um, it was it was a, it was was actually, this part of the book was about this study that was on the children in the school. And it was like, they went around the class and was like, right, we've got this test and there's like a really hard test. Like, what do you want to do? And all, most, most of the kids were like, yeah, I want to do a really hard test. And if they failed, they were saying they took each kid and, and put them in front of the test and they could not believe the resilience of the kid and and how much they couldn't care about the failure. Like if they failed it, oh gosh, come on, I want to have another go. I want to have another go. And when you're a kid, that's what happens, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. I think as you get to an adult, you are embarrassed. Me at the ski slope the other day, I'll tell the the story. (laughs) Um, Go to the ski slope, my mate's like, right, we're going skiing in a couple of weeks. You need to learn how to ski. I was like, all right, no worries. Maybe I should get lessons. Nah, nah, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. <laughs> Come on, mate. Let's go to the right snow it. dome. Yeah, let's go. Sorry, snow dome, if I've if broke the rules. But um, so he's like, right, we get there. He goes, Right, just, just follow me. Yeah. And he's talking quietly. You don't want none of the instructors to hear that I've not skied before. So I'll tick the waiver. Yep, ski, stop, turn, whatever, fine. So we go up, uh, we get the skis on. I said, mate, how do I don't put the skis on? Ah, it's just like your cycling boot, mate. Just clip it in. So I clip him. And I'm like, oh, trying, trying to really get a feel for my feet on the snow, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this, this ain't great. And uh, he's like, yeah, 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 just come up the top, come up the top. So anyway, I get this thing between my legs. So I'm going up, and I'm like, oh man, like this is, this is terrible. Like I've got to get down from here. So we get up there. I nearly fall off the ski lift as I get to the top. I nearly crash into the wall because I didn't <laughs> know how to stop. Uh, again, trying to get a feel for it. So I stand up top, and he goes, right, I'm gonna go and do a run down there, and uh, just watch me, just watch me, and I'll just freshen myself up, and I'll come up. So I'm up then. I'm looking around at mate and I'm like, yeah, love skiing, mate. Been here loads of times. Oh, God, snow's no, mega, it. mate. Hi, I'm right at the top, right you know, at the like top. Hundred meter run, so I said. Yeah, probably hundred meters maybe. I don't know what it is. I I'll have to find out the stats. Anyway, I'm up there. Oh, 7, I think. God, and I'm meters. trying. I'm moving my feet around. And this guy must just be looking at me, thinking, "You have not skied <laughs> before, mate." He can But me. I'm going to let you go down anyway because it'll be hilarious. And um, my mate goes right. Yeah. So he comes back up. And he's like, right, just bend your knees, mate. Yeah, like bend your knees like this and just lean forward, yeah, and just just turn. It's so, so easy. Mate, I go off this top bit, yeah, and I just pick up speed. I don't know what to do. I start leaning back. Obviously, I'm just picking up more speed. I'm parallel. Smash, I go down. And I'm just, I just think to myself, like, yeah, this is not for me. It took me about 15 minutes genuinely to get down. Got down, argued with the guy because I was like, mate, I'm not going back up. He was like, no, no, no. I was like, no. I'm listening. I'm not going back that, up. You
2: that got that video that's going around about the guy who's going up on the uh, ski lift and he just takes out everyone because he comes off the ski lift. Oh, honestly, mate, that, that that would that's be that would be me <laughs> next
1: week when I'm out in uh, when I'm out in France. Oh. But I can't remember what he was talking about about that. I just need to get that story in there. Oh, failure! failure. I was that's so it. embarrassed that I was I couldn't. Eat. I wanted the, the snow to melt and just me just fall through the building. I was so mortified. Then I was like, mate, like you have to learn. And, um, but I think that's what I'm saying, like the stigma of like, even in business, like people are so scared of failing because they wouldn't want to tell their friends that they failed or their wife or their partners or whatever. And I think, yeah, such a big part, even like racing, like I would like to say that being proactive with a failure, it's like, right, I've done that. Why did that happen? How can I learn from it? Right, let's move forward. And I think, again, like if there's any young, young athletes listening, like that's a big part. It's a big part of racing, and I think you have to foul. It hurts, unfortunately, with motorbike racing, but that's the job that you you want to do, isn't it? And you've picked, and, um, and you have to roll roll with the punches as such, don't you?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the most important thing to take from anything from a young athlete is that you, you've got to get going. Yeah. The worry of getting it wrong is far worse than actually getting it wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right, so a question. Um yes. I wanted to ask you, is our track review. And if there's any listeners out there, I would like to get some sort of name for it. And I've not been creative enough in naming this. So I've literally just called it track review. <laughs> Bucket Track Review? No, don't know. Need need any listeners, send in your answers because I'd be, uh, I need a name for it. Anyway, this is. Um this is quite a funny section because mm. it applies to everybody in, in, in sporting in racing. Mm. I actually asked Steph the question last night and uh, she gave me some funny answers. What was the answer? It was Alton Park and the uh, m- most memorable moment was my big concussion there. I said, great. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. She remembers like, it, you yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, I don't remember it. Um, right, so obviously we're going to start yet. Yeah. What's your yeah. favourite track?
2: Uh, Spa, Frank Sean.
1: And what is your most memorable moment of that circuit? Uh,
2: 98 Grand Prix, Formula One, the start uh the first abandoned start when you know it was pouring down the rain they would not start a race in these conditions now in any form of sport
1: so it's a lot of water down it yeah. was yeah
2: aquaplane central yeah um and came out the first corner down the hill ready to go into uh Eau rouge and ready on and uh, Coulthard got it totally sideways hit the barrier on the inside came back across the circuit and it was like a 15 car pile up <laughs> thankfully Everyone was all right. right. It was before they had the um, tethers that held the wheels on. Wheels were flying into the crowd. It was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. The legendary Murray Walker commentating on it as well, which made it even more exciting.
1: I bet, yeah. I bet Murray was losing it. Yeah, I was like a 13-year-old at yeah, home. Yeah, he was, was exciting like, oh, as well, weren't he? Yeah, his yeah. commentary. So, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Pretty,
2: pretty wild, pretty wild um, Grand Prix. And then they actually restarted the race, and I think all by one person started the race again just because they didn't have a spare car for them. Oh my god. But everyone restarted yeah. um the race and yeah, it was
1: mental. And what's your favourite part of the track? I think probably know the answer to that. Uh yeah, Oruge and yeah. Radion, so yeah, a, the, yeah, the
2: the fast uh, uphill section. Onto the Kemmel Straight oh. is absolutely
1: mental. The compression is oh, no. in, in anything in oh, yeah. a Formula
2: One GT bike. It is just the most unbelievable elevation and yes,
1: wild. I'd love wild. to have a little ride there. Actually, I've never ridden that, so I know mm. they do some track days there. That's got to be, that's on my bucket list to ride that circuit. The bucket list. Yeah, the the bucket list. Uh, any tips for any track day riders that go there? <laughs> <laughs> track uh, days. It's all about the exit. The Kemmel yeah. Straight is so, so it's got to so be in long. it. Yes,
2: yeah. it, you know you can you know sacrifice. Entry speed and mid corner speed, just because like, the compressions are insane.
1: Going to get you on the simulator in a minute, so I'm, I want to see how good you really are because you've talked a good game full right guess, now. Full gas. You've talked a good game. So I'm, I'm like a
2: proper, like, you know, like a football uh, managers, driver. The best yeah. football managers, not necessarily the best players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. that's so that's the tip then. That's the top that's tip. That's Top tip. That's the top tip. All about the exit.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out.
1: kids into motorsport racing where do you where do you begin with it obviously there's so many different avenues I don't want Brody to race motorbikes Brody if you listen to this in like 12 13 years Mm -hmm. time I don't want you to race motorbikes (laughs) you might already be semi professional at this point Um, I'd let Oscar have a go just because I
2: know he would be terrible because he thinks about it he's he's a bit of a thinker uh, he's, he's a bit of a shy when it comes to things like that like I was as a kid like a young kid so I reckon you'd have a go of it and give it up. <laughs> mate, That's how him. I got into
1: it, I literally just got on. I I got my dad bought me a motocross bike. I'd, I'd tried various different sports and didn't get on. Like, went to football, and my dad's like, Why aren't you chasing the ball, mate? I said, Because all them are. <laughs> and he was like, Okay, football's not for you That's then. A great all right, we go go-kartin. Go-kartin. we'll go go karting. Went go
2: karting. could
1: give Yeah, so. I was literally <laughs> just tearing in a straight line. I'd just spin the cart out, and my mum was like, You can't. Like, Same it as that then? Yeah, basically, but just on two wheels. Uh, and then we went motocross, got a motocross bike, went to a field, and just rode round. I was kind of a bit nervous and my sister jumped on it, flying around my older sister and then I was like, right, give me that back. And that is literally where the love of racing come for me, like the motorbikes and, and then I went, done my first race and I mean like for me, like if I was, if I was looking at getting my child wow. into it, like we got into it because my dad wasn't very close with his dad when they were younger mm-hmm. and we, he didn't want that with us so yeah. we got uh, into motorbike racing and obviously have been sort of like inseparable till now. He's yeah. still obviously a big part of my career and so, yeah, pretty From much like, every every yeah. every
2: event uh fully involved.
1: Such a family event. Like, even mm. racing now, obviously, it's less so family oriented because, obviously, you've got such an important job to do. You can't really be that way. But when you're in your younger years, it's such a family thing. Like, you go away in the motorhome, yeah. you go camping, like, you're, you're away. It's like, yeah, like, when I look back at the years. Great like, memories. Great memories. Yeah. And I think it's so important for kids as well. It gives kids such a... Like, I, I had the option of going out with my mates or going racing. And my dad was sort of like, mate, you can't do both. Like, if you want to go racing tomorrow, you can't be out till midnight. So what do you want to do? And it taught me so much about who I was and what I wanted to achieve at quite a young age and the pressures of, like, growing up, you know, like, obviously going out, drinking and, and all that kind of thing. And I didn't have any interest in it. And I kind of thank my, although I've had a rough ride with broken bones, as most probably, like, motorsport athletes in, in motorbike mm. racing, especially yeah. But I wouldn't. I would do it all again because what it gave me and what it taught me the life yeah. lesson. So,
2: I think yeah. I think from that side, my my thing for any parent would be that first of all their child's got to want to do it. Yeah. Like you know, I don't you know that goes across any sport. Yeah. Maybe. As much as you want to get your kids active and involved in sport, they've got to want to do it. Yeah, definitely. That's the first thing. Um, you know, and enjoy it. You know, especially in them early years, because it becomes so competitive. My personal view on it is, is that they should, you know the main part of it should just be the enjoyment first of yeah, all. Yeah, 100%. You know, obviously, as we talked about before, you want to win. That makes it more enjoyable. I tried to stress that yeah. <laughs> to Oscar yeah. in any sport. I was like, you know, it's great that you enjoy it, but you'll yeah. enjoy it even more when you win. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's so right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I ten enjoy push-ups it is. And I enjoy it so much more as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that side of it. And then I think from the, uh, taking the emotional side out of it is then just make sure you're, you do enough so you've got a plan. And I mean that in terms of like the next three years where, so you've got, okay, realistically, cause what you don't, you really don't want to do if you can help it, you don't want a position where your son or your daughter falls in love with a sport and then, you know, God forbid, just purely from a funding perspective, they then can't make the next step. So at least try to get yourself in the best position possible, whether that's for your own finances or finding partnerships and stuff like that. Yeah. That would be my probably, you know, commercial head advice as a parent.
1: Yeah, and it t- it just teaches you like when I when I really I think the older you get the more you kind of look back and reflect on like the mm. person you are and who you like the person you've become and yep. these are questions I ask my guests on the podcast and it kind of makes you look, look at yourself and it's like when you look at how like I'll take me personally like how I manage stress now and deal with like stress and anxiety which let's let's face it everyone's mm. talking about anxiety yeah. I get anxiety but I kind of manage it in a different way probably to other people as other people manage it differently to me. Mm. Um, but the, the the sort of the things that motorbike racing has taught me in terms of like the anxiety, like I remember being sick in my crash helmet, like eight, nine years old, because I was so nervous for a race. But nerves are norm, normal. Yeah, you know? but it was kind of like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. But you manage, you, you learn to manage that. I can't be sick every time I go out, mate. Like you've got to get yourself, pull yourself together. And it was kind of that conversation myself at that age. And I think it's, I'm so thankful to have done, what I've done in those years and I'm so thankful my dad pushed me because it did, it has made me the person I am now and like, if there's people out there that are thinking, oh yeah, you know what? I'm thinking about getting my kids into motorsport, well, obviously it's a very dangerous game, let's not hide away from that fact but it is such, there's, there's so many pros to it I would probably it's say the pros outweigh sport. the negatives for me and, and my life. You know, like I, I look at Brody and think I'd rather him get into something mm. like golf or tennis. My, and
2: yeah, my, my mum used to put it in a really good way. Like, you know, people used to ask her, oh, like, you know, like, motorsport's dangerous. And she'd like well, like, who, why would I stop him from doing what he wants to do? You know, that, you know, you have to, you know, as much as from a parent's perspective, your natural thought is to protect your child. But then also as well, you want them, you've got to remember you can't live their life for them. Exactly. You know, and I think motorsport has given so much to me and my family already as well. You know, even at such, you know, and, and you at such a young age as well. And it's amazing seeing, you know, people come in the paddock and you, know, you see the same faces. It's such an incestuous business as well. There's so many different places you can go. You just bump into people 10 years later. Mm. And funny enough, you're both still involved in the industry. It's a beautiful, you know, like you said, the, the time that you get with family away.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Whereas
2: you probably wouldn't spend that time together. You'd be doing individual things at a weekend. I think that's a really cool part of motorsport as mm. well.
1: Yeah, and let's let's touch back on. Obviously, I said before about um, like being involved in motorsport. Like, why why should companies like if you if, if a company sat in front of you and said why why should I be involved with with supporting athletes? Like, whether it's British Superbikes, whether it's British Touring Car, whether it's go karting, motocross. Like, what would you what what's your because we have this big um, thing on like people going, oh, hello, mate, can I have some money? Like, mm. like yeah. this. <laughs> There's so many different ways of working together with companies, isn't there? And Absolutely. I if, think you, if you yeah. own a business, I guess what I'm trying to get out of this is if you own a business, and I want to get into v- motorsport. I don't right. know where to start, Call but me. yeah, <laughs> I want to sponsor athletes. Like, what? Like, how? Yeah, like, why should they?
2: I think from there's a there's a th- couple of different reasons why businesses should and do get involved in motorsport. There's either the commercial side of it, so they see it as a great tool to promote their business. Um, you know, returning, you'll hear the phrase return of investment, but that's all relative as well. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean selling product. So I think motorsport is such an amazing, especially UK motorsport, for instance, I'll give you know, a perfect example, is that if you, you look at the uh, League One football, championship football, the average attendance for a home game is significantly less than what it is for a BSB race. So in terms of audience-wise, you know, the average attendance for a BSB round is over 35,000 people per yeah. event. Which is, you know, an amazing captive audience. Yeah, you know, that's not necessarily then even going across from you know social media, TV audiences, etc. Which spans another you know good few million people that see it. So from a commercial perspective, there's a huge, huge market of potential customers that they can use Motorsport for um, at relatively a cheap price compared to what it would cost you to communicate with that same audience or level of audience in other sports. Generally, you know, yeah. there, there is that. The other side of it as well is to talk, you know, to, to support and help support athletes because it is a very, very different sport to others. Whereas a £20,000 investment for a business to uh, a young athlete in another sport would go towards their lifestyle as opposed to a £20,000 investment in a young athlete looking to make it in motorsport would go to help further in their career. Mm. I think that's a big thing. So if you either want to use it as, you know, you can use it on both sides, to be honest, some use it for one, some use it for other, some use it for both. But I would say generally that was, that would be my two main aspects. One, because of the commercial value it can really give. And secondly, it's actually providing an opportunity for an athlete because we talked about there isn't those government funding, there isn't many opportunities and and the funding available and it's a more, so you've got not enough funding and it's a more expensive sport. So there's a huge gap where, you know, commercial businesses can actually help fill that gap.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a great I think it's a great um place to just be and to have a presence in terms of business to business. Like there's a lot of companies there and Absolutely. a lot of successful individuals in their own right that go racing that love it. And I guess for me, like what I always thought when speaking to companies was I think speaking to the public as an athlete mm-hmm. for a company, instead of the company speaking to the general I think that being that kind of middleman has always been quite a, a good way of communicating as well to to different People, whether it's the general public or whether it's other businesses, I think being that sort of middleman, like the the bridge, if you like, I think that's always been quite a um quite a good thing. And I've always sort of taken that responsibility, of like, oh, I can really sort of push that, like that person's, like I'm an ambassador for that company. They're giving me money, but uh, why shouldn't I give that business yeah. to other people? Because I think it, that crossover is such a such a key thing. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Definitely. And I think yeah, the, the more. If we took the BSB paddock just for for an example, if we got more companies involved, it's only going to help the BSB paddock's profile anyway, which is obviously yep. quite high. So, I think um, yeah, and it really excites me actually the commercial partnership side. I mean, I quite enjoy discussing opportunities with different companies, and um, there's there's a very there's there's a, quite a few teams in the paddock that obviously have that that mm. corporate image, and I think it's a good thing for businesses to be involved in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another um, avenue that it gives for businesses like you talked about the networking opportunities and and being involved um, with other businesses, like minded businesses or totally different businesses to your own, Um, because it's such a relaxed environment. It's a competitive environment, but very relaxed in terms of uh, a lot of people that are involved in it, enjoy the sport, but also as well or have become fans of the sport. Um, You'd be very hard pushed to find someone who got involved in in uh, motorcycle racing uh, from a commercial side of it, and then didn't become a fan.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and then, you know, that that for me is a great thing to see, you know, how you're able to then network and actually open up the opportunity. It's a great day. You know, like people talk about going to the racing. Oh, it's mad, yeah. Not many people are jockeys or horses, um, but love people love going to the racing. Yeah. You know, just because it's of the great. atmosphere. It's brilliant. And I think not because it's become quite expensive to go to and, and stuff like that, especially the main main events, there's so many people that you know just a trip down to Brands Hatch or Donington or Alton Park nice, or Knockhill you know for a weekend of racing you don't have to know anything about the sport
1: the environment just being there, just the sound brilliant. the smell the, yeah. the everything in it like the whole environment and like even take the family down there it's mega isn't it i think it's cuz i
2: think it's well because most of uh, you guys and girls that ride the bikes are very relatable
1: and accessible accessible you're not miles thing. away it's not like being at MotoGP where everyone's locked behind well you don't you don't you, yeah. don't
2: you don't you know there's not many athletes that get interviewed whilst they're standing on the field of play this
1: is at BSB in the British Superbike Championship <laughs> yeah obviously most of you just guys as you're about to go down to the yeah. front yeah first corner yeah and that's that's something you know. as well like for the young guys listening like when you have to learn to do the media and race it's, it's a difficult crossover but guys <laughs> it gets better yeah it gets easier <laughs> but um before we finish up I have got five questions to test your motorsport knowledge oh, I these five this. questions <laughs> have been mastered up by myself and you know like when you've got a bit of time, mate, it's really good. I just sit there and I'm like, right, I want to make these questions hard, but not too hard. So You know this is difficult I, for me because you know I pride myself on having a good, most I know, knowledge. You do, you do. You I'm do, probably yeah. going to get five wrong. You're <laughs> probably going to get five wrong. It'd be, <laughs> I tell you what we're going to do then because I'm confident you're going to get, we we'll do like a lot of tenner each one. Now. Yeah. I say that as well. <laughs> I'd love to. I'm going to have to start bringing like 50 quid here and just mm. get the guest to bring 50 quid. And then we're going to have to. I'm not sure if we're allowed like to do that. We'll have to talk to Ben about that. Um, anyway, right, here we go. This is question number cool one. On. Again, I need a name for this Buckens. Oh, no, Buckens. No, it don't really go, does it? Right, anyway. What Spanish rider has won a 125cc MotoGP Championship and a World Superbike Championship?
2: Schwabier.
1: He might have done. I don't know. Oh, I bet he does. <laughs> this, this is specifically a World Superbike Championship. Oh, World Superbike and Championship. And a 125cc oh, MotoGP Championship. Oh, Spanish. Recent world champion. Baptista. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I gave you a tip there. Yeah, Quite thanks, real. mate. Which manufacturer has won the most MotoGP races? Yamaha. Honda. Oh, it's another ten in my way.
2: How many? How by? How many?
1: Uh, I don't know the number. I just know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Um, how many driver championships have Red Bull Racing won? Driver. Driver championships. Six. And how many constructor championships? This is for a bonus. Five. Yes, come on. <laughs> um, this one's probably easy. The Marina Bay Circuit is the street circuit for which country's Grand Prix?
2: Abu Dhabi. Be- oh, Marina Bay.
1: Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I've got a mind blank. Oh no! <laughs> Come on, I'll give you Singapore. That. Yeah, Singapore. Yeah, I should know that. I've been there. geez. And how many BSB championships did Kianari win?
2: That is a horrible
1: question. That's quite a difficult, isn't it? Like he was so good, he was so successful. Three. Yeah, three. Yeah, and do you know what bikes he won them on? I don't know. I'm sure uh, it was like two with Honda and one with BMW. No, BMW have never
2: won a BSB.
1: Did they not? I'm sure. Yet. Did he not? Have they not won a BSP championship? I don't think they've
2: ever won a BSP championship
1: yet. I didn't even know uh,
2: that. One on a Yamaha.
1: Oh, I don't know this. They're gonna have to ask the the uh, the, the, the the two on a Honda. One on a Yam, Ooh, two on a Honda. I'm don't really know. Sure. I've not even got this written down. This was literally just me off the top of my head. I've got so many right. Yeah, so many right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, mate. That's all. I've That's all I've got. I mean, that was um that was a good conversation. But I mean, I'd just like to, yeah. I mean, I'd love like just to have people understand, like mm. um I guess what makes the what makes the show function yeah. really isn't it because obviously like the investment and companies being involved in motorsport is obviously a big part of, of how, it, how it manages to run
2: yeah absolutely and I think for any younger athletes out there it's really important just to, to be quite bespoke you know don't just approach people say can I have money Yeah. and this is what I can give you it's about asking questions for a business You know, ask them you know who your money or have an idea you know if you know that people sell like cleaning gear you know that one hundred, you know, eighty-five percent. Sorry, I should say, of the audience that watch BSB own a bike. You know that you know, it's pretty easy to do the maths yeah. of work out how many potential customers you can put them in front of, and then talk about the different things. You, you know, try and be a little bit creative. <coughs> try and have fun with it. Yeah. Try and have fun with it because yeah. that's what businesses want. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, uh, we talked about there's so many different ways that people can digest information at the moment. You have to try and be a bit fun about it. Yeah. And that will then put you in good stead for like you, for instance. You know, one of the great things that a lot of our partners talk about is that why the reason they work with you is because of your personality and the way that you're relatable. It's fake,
1: so, <laughs> it's fake mate. Fake personality. It's fake, it's persona. Just keep it up though, mate. In 20 yeah? years time, people are going to say, "Is your persona real. I'm say, no, it's <laughs> fake, mate, the whole thing. Just keep it up for a couple of more years. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. And I think, I think uh, uh, something I'm quite passionate about and quite, um, like my opinion's quite strong on is it. be yourself. Like, if you, if you are shy and nervous... Don't try and be cocky Mm. and funny. Like, be yourself. And I think that's something that's quite... Because people can see it. Like, you know, there's been various riders over the years that have tried to be really funny on the grid. And you're like, mate, like, it's so forced, it's embarrassing. Exactly. Like me. And (laughs) I think you've just (laughs) got to be yourself. Like, just be yourself. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about getting into motorsport, anyone listening, get, like, yeah, get yourself along to a BSB race. Have a look. Get stuck in because you, I think, yeah, I think... Ask people. Yeah, yeah. get
2: along to a BSB race. Get along to a club race. Check out the calendar. We'll see when your next event, local event is. And um, there's a load of play. I think there's, you know, over 5,000 motorsport events happen in the UK a year. So there's enough opportunity for people to go along to stuff. Mm. So yeah, get involved, guys.
1: Thanks for coming on, mate. That is the end. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Pushing the Limit podcast. Obviously, keep an eye on the socials for next week's guest and hope you enjoyed it.